once again my words cannot describe you once again i am small beside you have mercy on me i am so unworthy gather me into your wings abide in me jesus live here in the place i save just for you abide in me
That was beautiful. Very, very beautiful. And um, what a blessing that is to hear about what our God can do for us if we don't have him in our lives. Let's pray this morning. Lord, we do ask you to abide in us. Without you, we're nothing. We pray that you would speak, Lord, because only your words can truly affect lives. Only you can truly change lives, Lord. So we pray that you would speak, that you would just put me to the side, Lord, please, and that you would help each person here to be sensitive to your words, to respond to your call in your name. Amen. Let's go to uh, chapter Luke, or Luke chapter 14. I um, titled this message, There is Still Room. And have you ever prepared for a... Uh, a big grand party, a dinner or a celebration. Have you ever prepared for it? It's, it's like the preparation is needed to really make the event successful. It really is. If you want to have a successful event, and it's a big, important event, you have to do some preparation. There has to be choices that have to be made, food choices, drink choices, napkins even, silverware. Guest lists, of course, is important as well. But just think about the preparation that would be involved. The choice of food is obviously critical if it's a, a dinner. And we're going to talk about a dinner this morning. There's a lot of things that could be on that dinner table, but and we all have our preferences, don't we? We have the meat eaters. We have the vegetable eaters. We have the fruit eaters, and we have Adel. <laughs> and praise God for him. But you know, more important than the preparation, because it's great to prepare, and all of us have prepared even for a small event, but it's important to have everything, and Sylvia is the detail master, as we know. All the details have to be there. The place has to be set. The time has to be set. You pray for great weather. You pray for everything to work. But what is the most important thing? The people. If you have a dinner and there's no people, it's not a dinner. It's just kind of like a flop. So we're going to talk about the great banquet told by our Lord Jesus in chapter 14 of Luke. Go to verse 15, and we'll read. It's only seven verses or so, or nine verses, not many. It says, when one of those who were reclining at the table with him heard this, he said to him, blessed is everyone who will eat bread in the kingdom of God. But he said to him, and this he is Jesus, a man was 
giving a big dinner, and he invited many. And at the dinner hour, he sent his slave to say to those who had been invited, come, for everything is ready now. But they all alike began to make excuses. The first one said to him, I have bought a piece of land and I need to go out to look at it. Please consider me excused. Another one said, I have bought five yoke of oxen and I'm going to try them out. Please consider me excused. Another one said, I've married a wife and for that reason I cannot come. And the slave came back and reported this to his master. Then the head of the household became angry and said to his slave, go out at once into the streets and lanes of the city and bring in here the poor and crippled and blind and lame. And the slave said, master, what you commanded has been done and still there is room. And the master said to the slave, go out into the highways and along the hedges or the byways and compel them to come in so that my house may be filled. For I tell you, none of those men who were invited shall taste of my dinner. And we're going to talk about the, there's another dinner. And the dinner is the God's dinner for the saints when he comes and takes us to be with him. He's going to, he has a, he's prepared a banquet for us. Just like the story, it was a great parable, and Jesus was trying to encourage them because it says Jesus uses parables. I think in Mark it says that he used many similar stories and illustrations to teach the people as much as they could understand. He was interested in teaching them, encouraging them, directing their lives, and that's what this par parable does. It gives us an illustration of what actually is the invitation that God wants to have for his creation. He wants to see us with him in heaven, sitting around the banquet table. He's prepared a place for each one of us that has chosen him. What a wonderful day that will be when we sit at the table and we break bread with Jesus and we eat the food prepared for us. Now, there was a verse that I read, and it... It's a great verse, and the first point we're going to talk about is the invitation. Because in order to really understand how to really get to a banquet or a celebration, there has to be an invitation. And one of the verses I was reading says, A certain man was preparing a great banquet and invited many guests, and at the time of the banquet he sent his servant to tell those who had been invited, Come, for everything is now ready. That's in... Matthew, but he said to tell them who were invited. What does an invitation include? And I kind of looked on the internet, and it's kind of interesting what an invitation includes. It includes a theme. It includes a host name, a phone, a location. It also includes a date and a start time, doesn't it? What does the God's invitation include? The title of the invitation, I believe, if we were looking at the invitation that God has for us today, we would see on that invitation, free gift at the top, good news. 
says, for the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus. It would say, I have a gift for you. This invitation boldly proclaims that there is no charge for entry. You don't pay a dime. It's free. It's free, free entry. You don't pay at the door. There's a host name that would be on that invitation. And what would it say? It would say, God, Jesus Christ, the only Savior, the only God. Location, heaven. Heaven. And isn't it great when we read about heaven and we hear Jesus' words where he says, I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go to prepare a place for you, I will come back to take you to be with me, that you also may be where I am. Where is that? Heaven. He's right now in heaven, seated at the right hand of God. Now, it's real interesting because you're going to have a location on an invitation, right? We get invitations all the time, and it says 333 Cypress Avenue, Fremont, California, and a zip code. If you don't know where it is, what do you do? MapQuest, Google, navigation. One of them. You have to know, unless you know where it is, how are you going to get there? Have you ever driven around in circles? And men, you should stand up right now and say, I've driven around in circles many times. Because we don't even think about asking anybody. I did it just last week. I'm driving around thinking, I'll figure it out. I'll see the street if I drive around in the area. It does not make any sense. And people today do that about going to heaven. I can get there. I can get there on my own. I don't have to map quest it. I don't have to go and ask God how to get there. He created heaven. We already talked about heaven, and who is heaven created by? God. The Lord Jesus Christ is in heaven. So if we want directions, who should we go to? We should go to him, I would think. Well, okay, there was a man that went to him, wasn't there? It's like, how do I get there? You know who this guy was? Nicodemus. This is a good old Bible knowledge crowd here. You guys are incredible. Nicodemus. And Jesus is like, real cool. He said, how do you get there? He didn't tell him MapQuest. He didn't tell him go down and ask, um, you know, Andrew or go down to the corner store and ask at the bazaar somebody for directions. No. He says, you must be born again. And on this invitation, there's directions. Because the invitation that we get normally wouldn't have directions on it. This invitation that God gives is an invitation that gives us strict, clear definitions and instructions on how to get there. You must be born again. And then he says it a second time. He says, do not be amazed that I said to you, you must be born again. 
You will not be able to enter the kingdom of heaven. You can't go through the gates unless you're born again. The invitation is handed out, but the invitation has instructions, directions. You must be born again. In Matthew 4.17, it says, From that time Jesus began to preach and say, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. He says, if you want to get to the kingdom of heaven, you must repent. Repent. Romans 5, 6 says, for while they were still helpless at the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. Directions. There's somebody who died for you. The ungodly. Goes further. In Acts, it says, they said, believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved. You'll be saved? More than that. You'll be able to get there. You'll be able to take the invitation to the door and say, I want entry and get into the kingdom. One of the greatest verses is in Romans. It says that if you confess with your mouth Jesus as Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. What I want you to get today, and that's wonderful about our Lord, that's real precious, is that he doesn't just give an invitation without directions. He doesn't give an invitation and, and just basically say you're on your own. He doesn't offer a gift without telling you exactly what the cost will be. And he says it's free, and it's good, but you have to pay one thing. You have to accept it. You have to believe in the name of Jesus Christ. You have to confess with your mouth that he is Lord. You have to say, you're Lord. And believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead and you will be saved. Instructions. The date. Because that's critical, isn't it? We're talking about an invitation, right? We talked about the title of it. We talked about the host name. We talked about the location. We talked about how to get there. You must be born again. You must believe on the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. You must confess your sins. You must repent. You must turn away from your sins. You must accept him as Lord and Savior. You will be born again if you do that. But when? When will I get there? What's the date? The Bible says, but uh, that day and hour, no one knows. Not even the angels in heaven, nor the son, but the father alone. Wow, that date is blank. So what does that mean if it's blank? It could mean, well, I don't really have to confess today. Because it doesn't have to be today. It could be tomorrow. And 1 Corinthians says it will happen. In a moment, in a twinkling of an eye, the last trumpet, for the trumpet will sound, and the dead will be raised imperishable, and we will be changed. There will be a day, and it will happen like that. But the date on the invitation doesn't say that. It's blank. And one more point that I want to mention that's on this 
It's like a book invitation. It's not an invitation that's one page, two sides. It's got all these different pages in it. Because it wants, the invitation that God gives is an invitation that's clear, that provides whatever's needed for the one who's, who's listening, who has a heart to want to hear the message. Because God wants to answer all your questions and all your concerns. He wants to give you exactly what you need so you understand that you can go to heaven. That this invitation is for you. But the last point on there is the purpose of the invitation. And the purpose is to give us peace. To give us happiness. To give us joy. To give us satisfaction. And John 3.16 says it so wonderfully. It says, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. The purpose of this invitation is so we would have eternal life. And Matthew 11.28 says, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. The purpose of the invitation is to say to us, I want to give you rest. I want to give you peace. I want to give you true happiness. But why don't all people come then? Second point. Excuses. You know, I've been thinking about what an excuse is. An excuse is like a pretty lie. It's kind of cute. An excuse, a justification. The dictionary says an ex excuse for neglect of duty, to be free from the accusation, to clear from guilt, to release from charge, to be free from an impending obligation or duty. You know, you think about excuses. And I work with people. I have a few guys that work for me, and I hear all kinds of excuses why people are late. But I was reading about auto accidents and the excuses that have been turned in to these insurance companies. You listen to this. This is UPI news item, um, and it's an explanation of accidents from policyholders. It says, an invisible car came out of nowhere and struck my car and vanished. The other car collided with mine without warning me of its intention. <laughs> I had been driving my car for 40 years when I fell asleep at the wheel and had an accident. These are real now. As I reached the intersection, a hedge sprang up, obscuring my vision. A hedge just sprang up. I pulled away from the side of the road, glanced at my mother-in-law, and headed over the embankment. That person doesn't have a lot of good common sense if his mother-in-law is close. <laughs> the pedestrian had no idea which direction to go, so I ran over him. <laughs> the telephone pole was approaching fast. I attempted to swerve out of his path when it struck my front end. <laughs> the guy was all over the road. I had to swerve a number of times before I hit him. <laughs> and then the last one was, 
the indirect cause of this accident was a little guy in a small car with a big mouth. <laughs> Excuses. This is the reason I hit this thing. It's not my fault. And these men, these three men, it didn't say women, it was men. What excuses did they have? It was scary. It says, but they all alike began to make excuses. The first said, I have just bought a field, and I must go see it. You bought a field, but you didn't see it? Do you get that? I paid all my money for a place I never seen. I'm going to go see it, so that's why I can't come to the banquet. That's why I can't go to the kingdom. That's why I, don't, I can't go to heaven. Why? Because I have some wealth, and that's making me happy. I have some things that are making me happy, and I'm satisfied with those things. Remember the invitation, what it said, I will give you peace. I will give you joy. I will give you satisfaction. I will give you a wonderful life. That was the purpose of the invitation. That is the promise of the invitation. But this man said, no, I have a home I bought. I haven't seen it. And that's more important to me to go check that out, make sure it's okay. Well, the next man, I don't know if he's better, says, I bought five yoke of oxen, and I'm on my way to try them out. Please excuse me. What do you mean, try them out? He bought them without trying them? He bought them? What is he going to do to try them out? I can't come to the kingdom because I have some stuff that's more important than the kingdom of heaven. I have a career that I have to invest in. I have to go to college. I have to do this and this and this. This world offers me these things, and they're more important than the kingdom of heaven. The banquet, I don't want to sit. You know what, I mean? what do you mean, sit with Jesus? What do you mean, heaven? This is my heaven. My home is my heaven. My job is my heaven. Isn't that what happens out in the world? Do you know that is the excuse people use for not coming to the kingdom of heaven? I have this, but the real reason is I'm not willing to give up what I have for the kingdom. And I had a one guy at my work, he asked me the other day, he said, Ron, what do you do for fun? Because I told him I was taking off Thursday. He said, where are you going? I said, I'm going to a Bible study. And I'm going to hang out with the men at a lunch. He said, boring. I said, I have more fun than you ever have. Nicely. <laughs> and he said to me, you're probably right. That was interesting. You're probably right. Because he knows his fun is not fun. His world is not satisfying. His things are not creating any satisfaction, and yours aren't either, are they? They can't. Christ says it can't happen. You can't have the peace. You can't have the joy. He says, without me, you can do nothing. You have nothing, you'll be nothing. Impossible. And then the last one said, I got married, so I can't come. He didn't even say, please excuse me. He says, I got her now. What do you mean? Go to the banquet. I've got the banquet. But there's a verse that I find I never read before in Deuteronomy. It says, if a man has recently married, he must not be sent to war or have any other duty laid on him for one year 
He is to be free to stay at home and bring happiness to the wife he has married. Well, maybe he quoted that, because that's like, uh, there's no other duty. But family can get in between us entering the kingdom of heaven. I won't come because my wife, oh, no, my husband, no, they don't want, I can't go to church. My friends, what would they say? Bible-believing guys hanging out with Christians, those crazy people? What will my friends and my family say? These three people had excuses, and their excuses caused them to go in a different direction, and they missed out on the banquet. They missed out on the gift. Third point, there's still room. And that verse blows my mind because it says, a servant came back and reported to his master. Then then the owner of the house became angry and ordered his servant, go out quickly into the streets and the alleys and the town and bring in the poor, the crippled, the blind, and the lame. And he did that. You servants who go out and you continue to give the word of God, God bless you from heaven. The angels are smiling on the saints that continually go out and share the good news. And that's what these servants did. They went back out. He said, deliver the message again. They didn't get it. So he went back out and they went to the streets and the alleys of the town to bring in the cripple. And it says, sir, the servant says, what you have ordered has been done. We did it. But there's still room. I like that. That touched me. There's still room because our God is not willing that any doesn't make it to the banquet table. And no matter how big you think that table is, it's bigger. And it can include every person who ever lived on earth. That's how big the banquet table is. Why? Because God is not willing that any one of us will perish and die in our sins and not go to heaven. There's still room. The kingdom of God is near. Repent and believe the good news. Why? Because there's still room. On the last and greatest day of the feast, Jesus stood and said in a loud voice, if anyone is thirsty, let him come to me and drink. Why? Because there's still room. And I love how in Mark it ends, the book of Mark, and it says that he said to them, go into all the world and preach the good news to all creation. Whoever believes and is baptized will be saved, and whoever does not believe will be condemned. He said, preach to the whole world. Give the whole world the message. The message is for everyone. The invitation has been given to everyone. He says, go to the whole world, everyone, and hand them this invitation and say, you can have this free gift. You can have this good news. You can have this invitation to the banquet. You can be with me forever. You can have your life changed. You can have the peace, the joy, the life. You can have it. Here's the invitation. Because there's still room. I didn't rent a banquet hall that had a capacity limit. 
you ever walk into a building, you'll see, like right there, the, the maximum capacity. You can't get more than a certain number of people in here. That's the way it is because there's restrictions on the building. There's no restrictions in heaven. Every single one can go there. But what stops people from going there? Excuses. Do you have an excuse this morning? What's your excuse? I didn't know. I didn't understand. The one excuse I hate to hear is if you Christians would live lives that are more faithful, then I would get saved. Hogwash. You go to Christ and you ask him, does he want you to be saved? He'll say yes. You ask him how, he says you must be born again. He didn't say you must look around you and look at Christians, who you perceive to be Christians, because a lot of people will say that Christians aren't Christians, just to let you know. A lot of people wrote their name in a book that said, I am a Christian. Their, book, their name is not in the Lamb's book of life. And that's sad. Many who wrote their name and say, I am a follower of a Christ, is not a follower of a Christ. And we look around and we see them and we wonder, what happened? I am not going to believe. Well, I'm going to tell you, that's not good enough. It's an excuse. Please, don't play with excuses. Now, last point, because we have a few minutes. The last call. Now, you could say, well, Ron, you already told me that there's no time on that invitation, because there's not. There's not a time on there. He says, I can come in any time. So I'm not going to put 3 o'clock on the 15th of April, 2008, because no man knows. But could it be today? Well, yeah. Well, let me tell you one thing that I can guarantee. I can't tell you this is the last call. There's no way I can tell you that. I have no right. I have no authority. And it's not biblical. But there is a last call. I can tell you that. I can say it definitively. There is a last call that will be made to everyone in here. A last opportunity will come. The question that you have to say is, is it today? Because you don't know. I don't know. Now think about it. The first call in this book, this, this portion, the first call said that at the time of the banquet, he sent his servants to tell those. He told them the first time. This is in verse 17. The first call was he told them. He sent out his messengers and told them. Right? Second call was he said, go out at once. This is verse 21, second part of the verse. And he says, bring them in. Bring in. A little different. You understand that? He said, tell them. And their response was, eh, excuse. He said, go to the byways and highways and tell them. Bring them in. Bring them. Bring them. Bring them. I think there was a little bit more aggressive, a little bit more assertive, a little bit more passionate, a little bit more enthusiastic that second time. 
to bring them in. Maybe they carried a few in because they loved them. They picked them up and let's take you to the banquet. You got to come. Maybe some were lame, which it says they were, and they couldn't walk. Bring them. The second call. But the final call was 23. It says, go into the highways and along the hedges and compel them. Whoa. The words changed. Compel, to drive, to urge with force, irre irresistibly, to force, to constrain, to oblige, necessitate, either by physical or moral force. What was that? It was stronger. It was more passion. Why? Because he knew that the time was actually getting short. So the message was different. The message elevated. And look how many messages have been given to people in here. Some of you have heard the message a number of times. There's been a first call, please come get saved. Another call was like, I think you better get saved really soon. Well, I want to give you the begging pledge. I want to compel you. I want to beg you. I want to use God's force. Love. I want to beseech you. I want to agonize and say, please. You don't know. I don't know. This could be the last time you hear it. And some in here say, I heard that before, the last call. Well, I guarantee you, there will be a last call. We just don't know when. Russian roulette with heaven? Very dangerous. Because the outcome of not going to heaven is not you just to hang out on earth or you get to go in a box and stay there forever with no consciousness. No. Your spirit lives forever somewhere. Either heaven or hell. The reason he said compel them, he says, I don't want you to go to hell. The reason he says compel them is he says, I don't want you to lose out on this gift. It's not acceptable to me. He said, make them come in. Make them come in, please. I beg you. 1 John 2.18 says, dear children, this is the last hour. And as you have heard that the Antichrist is coming, even now many Antichrists have come. This is how we know that is the last hour. We got to stop. Because you have to go on with your Sunday. Right? You've been given an invitation. Right? And the invitation is very descriptive. The invitation has a place that we can go has the promises that we can get and it has the requirements that you must be born again you must accept him as Lord and Savior and then excuses can come but today put them aside the excuses listen 
You've been asked. You've been requested. And I hope you've been compelled to make a decision. Because the life of a Christian is a really different life. It's a wonderful life. First of all, here it's wonderful. But in heaven, give me a break. How wonderful will that be to be with Jesus? No sorrow, no pain, no suffering, no agony, only peace and joy. I'm going to read you a story before we leave. So the man was having some difficulty communicating with his wife, and he concluded that she was becoming hard of hearing. So he decided to conduct a test without her knowing about it. That's a smart man. So one evening, he sat in a chair on the far side of the room. Her back was to him, and, he could, and she could not see him. Very quietly and connivingly, he whispered, can you hear me? There was no response. Moving a little closer, he asked again, can you hear me now? Still no reply. Quietly edged closer, closer and whispered the same words, but still no answer. Finally, he moved right behind her and said, can you hear me now? To his surprise and chagrin, she responded with irritation in her voice, and she said, for the fourth time, yes. <laughs> she said, I heard you. I heard you every single time. But she did not respond until the fourth time. Any fourth-time responders today? Because we've heard him before, haven't we? The offer has been, you know, we didn't respond. Because not important just to hear, is it? Because she heard, but there was no response. The key, the key is not to hear, is it? It's the response. This might be the last call, but don't we have the great news? There's still room for you this morning but you must respond to the words, don't you? You have to say, I hear, I hear you. And I choose Christ. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, you are such a wonderful, wonderful God. Wonderful God. And I pray that you spoke and that my words were just kind of put where they belong, Lord. But your words, your love, your kindness, your joy, your peace, your promises were clear today. The invitation was clear, I pray, Lord. I pray so much. And that this call will be received that there will be somebody here today and and you have an opportunity today I'm going to open my eyes and you can keep yours closed but I'm opening mine because I want to give you an opportunity to say 
that I'm going to respond today, and all you have to do is say, I do, I give you my life, Lord, and put your hand up, and I'll pray for you. That today you say, I'm responding. I'm not just hearing. I'm going to respond. So is there anybody today that says, I want to respond to the call of Christ and to have the life that he wants to give? If you do, just put your hand up and down, and I'll pray for you. Or you say, I don't want the life that I've lived. I, I'm not satisfied. I want the peace. I want the joy. I want the satisfaction. I'm tired. Have you been compelled today to accept Christ? I pray that you have. Anybody? Just your hand up. All eyes are closed. Just hand up saying, I, I, I want to get saved. This could be the last call. Anyone today? Lord, we pray that you talk to us. You know if there's anybody here that doesn't truly know you, Lord, and I pray that you would speak to them today, that you would encourage them to make that decision to give you their life. Be with our day. Watch over us in your name. Amen.